And you are listening to Faith FM. We have come into the second hour of our show, and we are going to begin by giving you guys another clue for the quiz. So our next clue is two spies sent out by Joshua stayed at my house. So we know that this person, they tied a scarlet cord around their window. Their name is found in uh, Matthew's genealogy, but not Luke's. If you know who this is, give us a call or a text. It's 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. And you can win Bibliopoly, the board game, uh, a biblical game of fun and faith. And so all you have to do is answer correctly. And if you answer correctly, uh, then you need to type in uh, may I enter the quiz? And if you do so, your name will be put in the draw, which will be drawn at the end of the week. But 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. Two spies sent out by Joshua stayed at my house. And now, Lyle, welcome, uh, welcome back. Oh, it's good to be here. Yep. Uh, we're gonna, we have some text messages. We have text listeners. messages. Let's get into them. All right. Let me just get to the beginning of these ones. Glad mm. to hear you slowly, surely getting better, it says. That was from the beginning of the show, yeah. Every day, a little bit better than the day before, so that's a blessing. True. Uh, where else would you find the biggest dog but in Texas? Google pics of biggest dogs in the world. You'll be amazed at their sizes. Yeah, it's actually some some remnants of the antediluvian world, these big old dogs. You reckon? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's how it goes? Yeah. Okay. So antediluvian dogs, you reckon? Change them from Great Danes. Rename them. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have a Pomeranian. Oh, I have an Antidiluvian. <laughs> that would be so epic. All right. Somebody says they'd rather take a helicopter to go to the tip of Everest. More than 300 people have died attempting to reach the summit. Mm. Uh, yes, don't think you'll get a helicopter up that far, but um, it would. Maybe you can. That's a long way up. Anyway, the shooting in church. Wow, that is the type of church I like to belong to. These men are real men and real Christians. Well done. Talking about giving your life to save others. I don't want to get shot up in the church, so I don't know if that's... You don't want to join the church where the gunman's coming in. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But you do want to be a part of a church where the men are prepared to run towards the danger rather than away from the danger. Totally. You know, that's... that's, And and this is the simple reality. A lot of people are like, yeah, you call triple zero, you call 911. Um, The average time it's going to take for police to arrive to a critical incident like that is Mm. going to be... A little bit under 10 minutes. I remember... And the incident's uh, going to be over in the first two minutes. Actually, I remember you sharing this, Lyle. You were talking about... I think it was when you were doing Wars and Rumours of Wars uh, with Sharissa and whatnot. You said, like, that a hundred soldiers from World War Two could, like, demolish an army from, like, the Roman Emperor, Empire or something like that because they're, like, armed. Uh, well, one bomber crew from World War Two, 11 hmm. men. One bomber crew could yeah, wipe one out bomber the entire, crew. entire Roman army. But then it's like, even if it's not a bomber crew, even if it's just a bunch of dudes with, like, M16s, yes. they could just, like, yes. wipe out a Roman... One and, machine gun company from the First World War. Yeah, would would wipe out, like, Rome. And I think it's, like, that's, like, interesting to me because, yeah, in this situation you've got a bunch of unarmed people versus one armed person. Yes. And so the police can't catch up to that. You No, no, no. When seconds count, the police are only minutes away. <laughs> yeah, wow. You know, that's how it works. Mm. And I think it's one of those things that, you know, we need to think about in our places of worship because in the last 20 years or so we've seen places of worship become uh, p- places that are targeted. Mm. And if you are in an environment where that might be the case, then you need to have a talk as a church about what happens if something violent happens. You get people who are mentally ill, you get people who are extremists. Mm. Uh, this is a place where... 
you know, you can have both of those kinds of scenarios happen more likely than in some other places. So what's going, what is the, if you've got a plan in place and people then follow the plan, then you've got much higher chances of, of, uh, of, of a lot more people surviving. And, mm. you know, we've got, what, five, six casualties here. Imagine how much worse that could have been. We've seen that in many other, you know, church shootings and so forth where uh, the casualty counts have been just, you know, infinitely higher than that. Mm. Next question, though, should we stay strapped in the church? Should we, should we bring, be bringing... Well, not in Australia because that would be illegal. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> Definitive answer, not in Australia. Anyway, uh, moving on right here. Abortion, legal, safe and rare. Sounds good, but it's still murder approved and financed by the state. Men take, respons- Men take responsibility for actions because God surely will. Um, 50% of fetuses aborted, and that was within some communities. Yeah. Um, that is beyond belief. That is so, so far this terrible. year worldwide, 15 million, nearly just under 16 million abortions have happened. And the world meter I am looking at right now is like one aborted every second. Um, compare that with COVID deaths, recorded uh, 6.26 million since 2020, and yearly deaths due to wars of 69,000. Yeah, it's interesting looking at those numbers and considering that uh, abortion is the highest cause of death in some communities. Mm. That's, that's, that's pretty serious stuff. Um, surely sounds like the world is very sick. Imagine suffering uh, the last eight years of your life. Let's face it, only the return of Jesus will fix the problems this world is going through and it's going to get worse. Mm. Yeah, so that's a really interesting uh, interview that we had with Angela Saunders talking about how that, yes, we are living longer, but we are living longer with disabilities, which we're is living, not fun. Yeah, we're living longer and sicker. But uh, like, I think the point that she made is that like the reason that people died in the past was because of issues of like hygiene or infection, which is yes. like something that... R- like progresses very rapidly. And we've learned how to deal with that. That's, yeah, that's right. It's so, become a part of our lifestyle to be hygienic. So it makes sense. Like you could be a healthy 50-year-old but then die of an infectious disease because you don't have the ability to overcome it with, you know, any kind of medication or something like that. But now in our case, it's like we have the ability to overcome most infectious diseases with medication, but then because of lifestyle diseases, yes, you live longer, but it just it's just terrible. Like... So, yeah, has anything really changed? Because uh, people often, like, point at, like, the, you know, they point at, like, our longer longer lives today and they're like, oh, see, things are getting better because we're living longer than we did in the past. And I'm like, that's only tech- technologically enabled. It's not enabled because of, like, we are generally getting healthier or evolving or anything like that. No, like... It's technology keeping us alive. That's right. Mm. Braden says, in relation to the abortion debate, what's more destructive... Dumbing down language in the hopes to quash your guilt or murdering babies because you want choice. That that was, yeah. Yeah, and there's some pretty strong strong language here, but it's a really important issue because just by changing the language doesn't change, doesn't doesn't do away with the guilt. And if you're somebody that's suffering from the guilt of something like this, uh, you know this to be the case. Mm. Everybody who has, you know, been through an abortion, knows that this is the case. I just want to encourage people that uh, you know might be feeling bad about this, you can give us a call here or you can call 131114, which is the lifeline number. We want to be yeah. always aware that people have been through circumstances in their life that they may regret or they may not regret or whatever it might be. But if you need help, then those are the numbers yeah. to call. I think, it's, yeah, we are sympathetic to yours and others' yes. situations. We are yes. s- incredibly sympathetic, yes. but we're also sympathetic to unborn children. That's right. And, and we want them to be born. 
We do. Because, because that's a moral good. Yeah, that is a moral good. And uh, Lyle, you and myself, we're here today because we were born. That's right. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Indeed. All right, we need to go to our Bible study. Mm. Uh, where are we up to? Like Genesis chapter 22. 22. Yeah, we're, we're talking about the mountain. We're talking about the sacrifice. We're talking about Isaac and Abraham at this point, you know. One of the most controversial chapters in the Bible. That's right. Mm. All right, let's dig into it a little bit further, and we're going to be talking about God providing today. So mm-hmm. Genesis 22, why don't you read for us verse 8? The Bible says, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. Okay, so what does Abraham say that God will provide? An offering. Oh, well, he says he provides a sheep. A yeah. sheep. Yeah. A sheep. Uh, move down to verse 14. What is it? What have we got there? In verse 14, the Bible says, Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Okay, so let's just, uh, we need to fill in some of the gaps here and see what actually takes place because, you know, God has told Abraham, go and sacrifice your son. Now, of course, Abraham knows and has been very clearly, he he knows that, that Isaac is going to be resurrected and he has absolute faith in the resurrection because of, you know, the promise that, God had said that Isaac would be the father of, mm. the, you know, more people than there is sand on the seashore, mm. uh, which is a lot. Yeah, I think it's interesting here. Like, yeah, from Abraham's perspective, God isn't going back on his promise. Um, but at this point, he's like, oh, well, there's a bit of a speed bump here, but surely God already made the promise. It needs to be fulfilled. Yeah, so it's going to happen. Yeah, you know, resurrection is is if you know, even if Isaac does die in this kind of, in this particular situation, resurrection is reality. It's going to happen. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. All right, let's go over to Hebrews chapter eleven and let's see what the Bible says oh. over here. Uh, we read this recently, but we're going to re- read it again. Hebrews chapter 11, and why don't you read for us verse 17? Yeah, for sure. As I find it in my Bible, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 17, the Bible says, It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice only his only son, Isaac. Yeah, keep going. What does it say in the next? It says, even though God had told him Isaac is the, is the son through whom your descendants will be counted, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Okay, so this is a really important point right here mm. that, that clearly outlines the fact that Abraham knew that if he was going to literally sacrifice his son, that God was going to perform a resurrection. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, I feel like this this piece of scripture is just so informing. Like, I feel like when we when we come... Because I've, I've talked to people about this passage, um, you know, people like skeptics and critics, yes. and they've asked me questions about it, and then I've been like, oh, well, you know, uh, and I explained to them that Abraham knew he would come back, and, and you know, he so didn't God actually didn't, kill... God didn't just say, go and take the life of your son. God said, go and take the life of your son and I'll resurrect him. Yeah. Well, but then like skeptics will be like, oh, it doesn't say that in the text. No, God is evil. Da, 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 da. But then we have like, like it does a, say it in the text. A, a biblical commenter like writing under uh, the inspiration of the Holy spirit. Yeah. Under the inspiration. We of, have God speaking. Yeah. That like, he's saying like, oh no, this is actually what happened. It yes. perfectly clear, like clarifies it, clears it up. Like, 
there are no questions around this. If you just, if you just know the Bible, if you're just biblically literate, I, I saw a take on Twitter this morning where someone was saying, if you're reading Leviticus, you're not a Christian because Leviticus isn't in red because Jesus didn't say anything in, in Leviticus. So therefore you're not oh, a Christian. No. And it was like mercy. It just, it just, sh- what kind of a. <laughs> It was like the worst take. It was the worst take I've ever seen, but it it highlights the most gospel centered books in the entire scripture. The entire book is all about Jesus. It's not about anything else other than Jesus. Yeah. Like obviously, it's the most information. <laughs> I got me started on ranting. There is, there is. I would say that Revelation and Leviticus are the two single most information dense books in the entire Scripture about Jesus Christ. Yeah, Lyle, I agree with you. Okay, that's I, good. I, I, I'm glad. I agree with I just you. Had to have that rant. And it was just, it was just hilarious. But what it highlighted so much is like, wow, this person has never read the Book of Leviticus. Like they are, they are illiterate to the scripture and, and what is happening in the narrative of the Bible. And again, when it comes to this chapter in Genesis chapter 22, when people are like, wow, God is so evil, told Isaac to kill his son and God is so bad. And the Bible is full of terrible morals and da, 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 da. Like you have passages like this that make it just absolutely clear that, oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, you've never read the Bible before. You know, you actually don't know what you're talking about. Um, because it clears up and it shows us that God is, an amazing God, and he's teaching Abraham an, an incredibly important lesson here. Yes. Mm. Sorry, I just had to have that rant there because, <laughs> I mean, you know, probably t- <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just beyond my imagination that, you know, I, I'll admit the very first time I read Leviticus, I was like, whoa. Well, I was in, I was enjoying Genesis, and most of Exodus was great, and then I hit Leviticus, and it's like, whoa. Yeah. But then when I started to actually understand Leviticus, mm. And it was just like every verse is telling me something about the plan of salvation, something about the character of God, something about what Jesus did. Mm. And it's just so mind-blowing. It's just such a gospel-centered book. Mm. Why, why would people... And I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted and baffled beyond being baffled. But they said, like, if you read... That counts for any other book in the Old Testament, by the way. Well, they're saying if you read something that doesn't have red letters in it, then don't read it. I mean, am I going to read those passages in the Bible that are in red? Seriously? <laughs> That's pretty limiting. A little bit of... A smidgen of Acts, a smidgen of Revelation, and the four Gospels. Yeah. But not even all of them. Not the even all of them. It's, it's you, half of the Gospels. You basically need to... It, what, it, what it's telling you to do is read the Bible as, like... An affirmation sayings book, like the sayings of Confucius or Buddha or something like that. It's like that's the only way that you can read the Bible. But we know that that's not true. Well, you've got portions of the in the Bible, Book of Proverbs, is full of like, do this, do that, this is yeah. a good idea, this is wise saying. And that's fantastic. Yeah. But there's actually a story in the Bible. It's that's not, right. It's not like a, an old book. There's a story in the Book of say, Proverbs too. Yeah, that's right. 100%. Oh, you've got me upset. All right. <laughs> Genesis 22. Genesis 22. Where, 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 we, 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 read, we, we read uh, verse 8. Okay, so let's read through 8, eight through 14. Let's, um, let's pick up this. Okay, so it says, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son, to Kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. 
uh, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me your even your son, your only son. Okay, so did God need to get Abraham to do this to find out something that God didn't know? No. So then why does God say this and what's actually going on here? Mm. Like, I, I believe, like, and God often does these demonstrations ultimately for the purpose of the people and those around as yes. well. Um, yes. For, for not only the person for in the story, um, for us reading in the future, but also for the whole universe to see, you know, God is letting people judge, letting people see. And so this is a this is a, a test of faith that comes Abraham's way that is important for Abraham. It's important for Isaac. It's important for his family going forward. It's important for the rest of the universe um, to ultimately show that, uh, yeah, Abraham is capable and humanity is capable of understanding what it is that God is going to do. So the, the word that's used here for test, because the Bible says, you know, God tested Abraham, uh, comes from the Hebrew word nissa. Mm-hmm. Uh, this interesting word actually has two opposite meanings. Oh, really? And one of those meanings is judgment. Oh, okay. And so when we think about the judgment, and, you know, this is a great parallel with the judgment right here, because in the judgment, God doesn't need to have a judgment to find out who's guilty and who's, you know, who's, who's saved. God knows, yeah. God knows that. Mm-hmm. He already knows that. Um, God already has that information. He doesn't need to find that information out. Mm. It's for the benefit of the universe. Mm-hmm. And you've got exactly the same thing taking place right here where, you know, we know that Satan is going around making accusations. Mm. We, we see this in the story of Job where he turns up and accuses Job of just worshipping God because God has become his sugar daddy and given him lots of stuff. And, um, and so, you know... Satan is making accusations about Abraham as well. He's like, you're going to make a great nation out of Abraham? Look at this guy. He's a total loser. Mm. You know, and, and you know, he can certainly make a, a long list of things that Abraham has done that are wrong. And so in this you have a demonstration, a very, very clear demonstration of why, Abraham, why God has chosen Abraham and of Abraham's faith because God's like, no, Abraham is faithful. Mm. And so it's a demonstration to the universe of a, you know, God doesn't need to find out any of these things because God already knows these things. Mm. The other thing that's interesting about this uh, word test or nissa is the opposite because it also brings the assurance of God's grace on behalf of the tested. Mm. So when it talks about judgment, it's judgment with God on my side. Wow. Because you often think of, of judgment and assurance. Those are kind of two opposite things. When you go to court, you're going to court for judgment. Do you have assurance? No, you don't know what's going to happen in that court case. Mm. But this is judgment with God on my side. Unless you rig the judgment. Which that's is... exactly what we have right here because yeah. there's a judgment taking place and God's like, okay, I'll pay the penalty. Yep. I'll cover it beforehand. So by the time you get there, it's all covered and done. Yep. Oh, man, I wish that happened to me yesterday. I got a parking fine. Ah! I, was like, I was like, man, I'd really love someone to cover this. I uh, I parked at the uni and I don't have like a, a, a sticker on my car to get in. And I'd been, uh, you know, a few of the days I'd be like, ah, it'll be fine. It's raining. And then yesterday I suppose that it would be fine. As again, it was not raining. It wasn't raining. Yeah. The weather was good. Uh-huh. The parking ticket people were out. They're slightly more motivated. And I got fined. So, yeah. Sad. <laughs> You'll feel sad. For but uh, but in this case, like yeah, God God is. But the if you if you'd have known the parking ticket person and they had been your best friend, 
you'd be fine because they would have kept walking past. They would have seen my car, they would have gone, oh, that Lawson, and then they would have taken off. It would have been even better if they'd have gone, well, you know, I'll pay the parking ticket for Lawson rather than putting the ticket on his windscreen. That's Which is kind of what Jesus did for us. Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It is The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, and we're about to have another clue for our quiz. Yes, we are. The final clue for the quiz. I am a prostitute who lived in Jericho. So, wow, this person was following the Lord. In some ways, they were supporting um, the spies of Joshua, and, you know, they were saved, but then also they're a prostitute in Jericho. Had a very interesting life. 0491 is the number to call if you know the answer. They're also a relative of Jesus, which mm. is interesting. An ancestor. Um, 0491 is the number to call if you answer incorrectly and you say, may I enter the quiz, you will enter into uh, the draw to win Bibliopoly, the board game, a biblical game of fun and faith. It's like Monopoly, but you all work together to build churches, which sounds incredible. I actually, I really enjoy biblical board games where you work together. I've played this one called like Kings of Israel, which is really, really fun. Um, and this kind of kind of looks, you know, similar. Yeah, you compete against the game. Yeah, that's right. Rather than against each other. Well, at the same time, I played this one that was like a quiz on the book of Daniel, but it's like, it basically, you answer quiz questions and you move along the board. And then there's like random elements on the board that send you back. So it is like a competition. And I answered every question correct in one of the games. So, I was like, uh, I was, Daniel. yeah, it's Daniel. Bro. <laughs> it's, like, it's so funny. Um, yeah, as a person who teaches the, the the Bible and particularly prophecy, it's like you know it, you can you get to that level. But hey, right now we are in Genesis chapter twenty two. Yes, and we were looking at verse eight, verse fourteen, and verse eighteen. Mm. Where did we get up to? Well, we got up to verse fourteen. Okay. So we can read verse 15. The Bible says, Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond the number uh, like the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And though, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. Okay, so this is interesting. If we go back to uh, where was it here in verse eight, um, and and it's a great promises, you know, great list of promises that we've got there. But if we go back to verse eight, um, where the Bible says, you know, God Himself, God, God will provide Himself a lamb. Mm. Uh, once again, if you look at this from the Hebrew, you've got this Yer Elho. Word which comes through here, you know, God will provide Himself. Uh, it can be, it can be translated as God will provide Himself the Lamb. Mm. And so, uh, what, what have you got there in uh, verse eight in, in your translation? In my Bible, it says, "God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son." Yeah, in the in in the uh, New King James, it says, "My son, God will provide for Himself the Lamb for a burnt offering." Mm. Um, but it can be translated as uh, God will provide himself as the lamb. Mm. And so, you know, we look at the reasons behind why why God is doing this. In the last section we looked at, you know, the great controversy. We looked at the universe that is looking on. We looked at the fact that, you know, God doesn't need to find out whether a person is faithful or not, but Satan is going around making accusations. 
and he's constantly made, and he could have made the same accusations about Abraham that he made about Job quite mm. easily because Abraham was an incredibly wealthy person. Mm. <clears throat> and he'd be saying, you know, he's not faithful to you because uh, you just give him stuff. Um, but the, uh, you know, but in in this situation, you know, the whole universe can see that Satan's just a liar and a cheat and just, mm. you know, making stuff up and that Abraham does actually truly serve God. So we've looked at it from that perspective, but now we look at it from this perspective of this was a prophecy. Mm. This was a type and anti-type prophecy. This was, this was an acted-out prophecy, an acted-out prophecy that did not you know, take the life of anybody, but that became an illustration from this point forward so that people could understand the gospel. Yes. Mm. You know, you read, you read the book of Genesis and you, read, and you think about the fact that you know, this was written you know, so long before Jesus came to this earth. Yeah. And sometimes we look at the sacrificial system and we scratch our heads and we say, how much did the Jewish people actually understand about their own sacrificial system? Did they really understand that the lamb was going to be a symbol of Jesus Christ? Mm. Yeah, and like every festival that had been set up, like was, you know, just pointing forward to the things that he would live out and do and yeah, totally. But get down to that fundamental point, well, I think, you know, the point is, is well, there's definitely infer- inferences in this, in the scripture. You know, if you go to the book of Acts where you see the Ethiopian uh, eunuch, like, reading the Bible and he's looking at the, the – it's talking about this person who will be sacrificed, that, that will die for people. He's like, is this the prophet? Is this – is this someone else? Like, surely this person is important, and he's probably just spent time in Pentecost, and he's like, wow, he's making the dots and the connections himself. But by the time you get to, to around Jesus' time, that's totally not what they're expecting from the Messiah. So, Yeah, and, and you, you think about, you know, when Jesus' ministry begins, mm. and John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Mm. You know, that's a very cryptic statement if you don't understand what the sacrificial system was all about, if you don't understand the story of Abraham. Mm. And so you look at this particular story here and it's like, okay, God has given them the sacrifice of the lamb. It's been around for a very, very long time, but there are so many aspects of that story that people just don't really get. Mm. And so how can you make it more vivid in their minds that Jesus is going to come and give his life as a sacrifice? Well, you give them another story that is even more vivid, and this is the most vivid of all of the stories that there are in the Bible. Um, you know, I love the fact that God intervenes at the last second. He's like, no, don't touch, don't touch the kid. Mm. Abraham's like, well, he's going to be resurrected. God's like, yeah, no, we don't need to go that far because that would set a really, you know, a bad precedent, whatever, you know, it might be. Mm. But by coming to this point, God has shown the sacrifice that he is making. He has shown the sacrifice that Jesus is making. Mm. He's shown the sacrifice that God is actually making in this particular circumstance. Let's go over to John, uh, Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Yep. As First I... three verses of John. Very, very famous verses we've got. Oh, right classic. Um, and, and so I... the question we're going to ask about this, these verses, because we're going to look at uh, Romans as well if we get time, you know, how, do they, how, do they, how does this help us to understand what happened at the cross, mm. which is prefigured in the sacrifice on Mount Moriah. Now, this is John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3 uh, from the NLT. So it feels a little bit uncomfortable to read, but uh, for me, because I usually read in the New King James, and I know this passage well, but it says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. Okay, so 
Um, now let's go over to Romans chapter 5, and we're going to read verse 6 to 8. Okay, Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 8. Uh, as I find it here in the pages, Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, the Bible says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, um, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is all who is especially good but god showed his great love for us by sending his son uh by sending christ to die for us while we were still sinners okay so what you've got is a situation here where you know did isaac, did isaac do anything that you know he deserved to die no no absolutely not mm. and this is where he he prefigures uh, you know isaac obviously sinned in his life he wasn't sinless like jesus but he didn't do anything that deserved to die yeah but he prefigures what Jesus would do on, when, when Jesus came in the flesh as a human being to this earth. You know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh and lived amongst us. And uh, then he died for us, while not deserving to die. He died mm. the death that we deserve to die. And uh, so you've got this perfect symbolism uh, on Mount Moriah of what Jesus would do in the future. Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. But right now it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, Lyle, our question of the day is... Romans 12 and verse 11 tells us to be fervent in the spirit. How do we do this when some of us are oppressed by depression or anxiety? And that question comes from Sky. Yes, okay, it's a really good question you've got right here. And, of course, the passage that is mentioned, Romans chapter 12 and verse 11, it says, Do not be slothful in business, but be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So to begin with, within the verse itself, there are some um, some, some some clues that we can look at and help us to understand it a little bit better. Because the first thing that you really need to address in this section, in, in this, in this section is um, your depression and anxiety. Because if you begin by addressing your depression and anxiety, then it makes it easier to be fervent in spirit in serving the Lord. And, you know, right within the passage right here, you know, if we, if we back up a, uh, a, verse, a verse or two, it says, you know, be kindly affectioned one, one to another with brotherly love and honour, preferring one another, not slothful in business, in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, uh, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Uh, bless those that curse you, <clears throat> bless those which persecute you, and curse not. Rejoice with those that weep, uh, be of the same mind one toward another. So let's work through what Paul outlines within this passage that are going to be able to help us to deal with uh, depression and anxiety. Um, and it begins by being kindly affection one to another with brotherly love in honour preferring one another. So that's where it starts. It starts by us not focusing on ourselves but focusing on loving the people around us. The next thing it says is not to be slothful in business. And this can be incredibly difficult when you're dealing with depression. And I just want to say here, depression is not something that I'm qualified to speak on. This is something that, you know, David Haupt or Jennifer Skews, they are the ones on our show who are qualified to speak on it. And so if you want to get qualified information, uh, you get in contact with those guys. But just reading what it says here, 
Uh, one of the things that you know is is difficult to do is to motivate yourself when you're feeling depressed. But if you can get up and get motivated, it's going to make a massive uh, difference. And then rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. And so there's three things right here. One is to always find things. Make a the rejoicing in hope. Find you know five or ten things every day, or even just three things every day that you can write down that you are thankful for, that you can be rejoicing for. This is why at the beginning of our show we always talk about those things that we are thankful for because this is good for our mental health. It's good for your mental health. It's one of the most powerful things that you can do. And these are all more powerful than many of the medications that you can take uh, for you know, antidepressant medications and so forth. Then it continues on, verse 13, distributing to the necessity of the saints. And I love this right here because one of the greatest cures that you can have for depression is to become involved in some kind of volunteer work where you are helping other people. Uh, once again, these are all incredibly powerful uh, tools in your toolbox for dealing with depression and anxiety. So look for opportunities like that. Find a local community organization where you can volunteer in a way that will help other people. Uh, bless those that persecute you and curse not. And so it's very easy to focus on the negative and to focus on the people that don't like you or the people that are abusive towards you. And the Bible says don't. Don't don't focus on that. Provide forgiveness. Separate yourself from those people, certainly, but forgive them. Do not let them live rent-free in your mind. Um, the Bible says, Rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. Be of the same mind one towards another. And so these are all really good clues that you can use to address the depression that is holding you back from your relationship with God. And I would just add to that, keep the blinds open, keep some nice music playing. That's another biblical principle. Get the sunlight come in. Spend time outside every day in the fresh air exercising. Hey, and that's one of the most important things that you can get into your life. Particularly if you start struggling with a bit of depression and anxiety, get out and get some fresh air and some sunshine into your life whenever you can. Fantastic stuff. Well, we like to remind you, as always, to spend time in the Word of God. One of the great ways that you can do that is by doing one of the courses that the Discovery Center has on offer. They have about 18 different courses, mm. and pretty much any Bible subject that you can think of, they have a course on it. You even get a certificate at the end of it. Um, these can be done either online or you can do them the, the old-fashioned way with paper and a pen, which is great for mm. people that love to you know, sit up in bed with something where the battery is never going to go flat. Um, and you'll have somebody who will be your personal mentor throughout that course to guide you through that whole process. And so give us a call here. We can get you in contact with them. Of course, don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. Sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Until we meet again at Jesus' feet. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.